This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hey, that's uh, that's pretty good. The Raptors win 124-114, to 114, their second win in a row against the Charlotte Hornets, their third win in a row overall, and a smidge of momentum as we get closer to the end of this homestand. Things have been trending in the right direction. Is it just playing one of the worst teams in the league? Maybe. Probably not fully. The Raptors have been able to do some things that seem to... Um, I guess, carry over from game to game. The defense hasn't been sterling. It hasn't been perfect, but the half-court offense, they had their two best half-court offensive games, one, 116 points per play, or like 1.16 points per play uh, in the first game, I think 1.15 points per play in this one. For the stat people, that's um, both of them above the 90th percentile in uh, all the games that have been played in the NBA this year, not just for the Raptors. So that's nice to see. The offense was definitely clicking much more. We continue to see the value that Scotty Barnes has as a screener, dis- downhill decision maker, catch and go guy. It's just really nice to see him in a role, not his only role, but a very, very strong role for him in the half court. The Raptors have, since he joined the team and started playing with guys like OG and Pascal and trying to figure out how he played off of those guys and and to them to a much lesser degree, but to some degree at least, they have to figure out how to play off of Scotty too. And this role for the time being allows the Raptors to seamlessly move between a lot of the things that they're strong at, a lot of the things that they want to do. And in addition to that, not just moving the ball, but that downhill presence as a, as a passer, yes, but as a roller too, Scotty, um, getting into space, the Hornets pretty bad in rotation and that's not completely surprising but uh it was easy to get the hornets out of sorts it was easy to draw a lot of help it was easy to draw a lot of attention it was easy to move guys out of passing lanes with a look and then make the right read it was just the raptors found their way in this one so that was really nice to see and uh yes of course this is the Raptors action podcast i'm your host samson folk and it is, of course, brought to you by Goldfinger Law. And hey, you want to go with Goldfinger Law. Why? Because with them, you only pay if you win. Of course, there's a, a huge deal about that. Because if you lose, then you don't have to pay. That's really nice. That's a good thing. Um, thanks for the deal, Goldfinger. And uh, if you want to contact them, 416-730-1777. Okay. Um, housekeeping, cleaning, whatever it is. February 7th. Just before the trade deadline, a live podcast hosted by myself and Lewis Satzman. There will be panels of speakers who cover the game of basketball, operate within the game of basketball. And uh, we have like very cool special guests coming to it. Um, go Just type in Raptors Republic um, live podcast. It'll probably come up on Google. And uh, yeah, February 7th, tickets are $20. 
If you're an all-star subscriber on the website, they are $10. Both of the tickets, whether you have the discount, whether you're paying full price, come with a drink. Um, it's going to be a blast talking about hoops. If you're into talking about hoops and you listen to podcasts and stuff all the time, you want to talk about basketball with me, uh, come out and I will 100% hang out after the show uh, with anybody who just wants to chop it up. So that's all cool. Okay, we 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 got a win here. Very nice win. Um, I think the one that the Raptors should feel good about. This is the first of Miami, Atlanta, Philly, the back-to-backs. Well, not back-to-backs, the double-headers, let's say, that the Raptors have played this year. This is the first time they've won both. And that's a big deal. That's that's really nice. If the Raptors, you know, I said this last podcast, right? If the Raptors want to turn this thing around, it, it basically has to start now. And, you know, the funny thing about this, right, is that the Raptors played well tonight. If they had beaten other teams this year, I think, like, if they had a better record, you could feel really good about this. And you could be like, yes, they handled business against Charlotte. Some really fun stuff happened. And you understand, like, hey, they're doing what they're supposed to do. However, this win, these wins aren't couched between a bunch of success. And so that's where the Raptors have to keep this thing churning, keep it trending in the right direction. And they, with this new role for Scotty, and it is a new role. Um, Blake had a tweet where he was kind of posting the numbers on it. But Scotty's screen assists prior to December 21st, I believe it was like 0.69 a game. Since it's over three, he's rolling way more. He's being used as a big man in this offense. Scotty is a big guy. You know, that that's meaningful that they can use his mobility, strength, and creation when he has the ball in space. It's, it's just really nice to see. Like, they had this play against Portland, right? And they run delay action. And they move the ball around. It comes back to Scotty. And in that, just playing that screening game, Yusuf Nurkic came up to the ball. And it actually meant that Scotty got to rip through and drive by him for a layup. Scotty wouldn't have these opportunities necessarily if they weren't running him as the DHO hub, if they were making him like catch, sprint, get the ball everywhere and slowly drift Nurkic up so he has to respect the shooters that are running off of Scotty's screens. We see a similar effect in virtually every game, although it doesn't necessarily lead to rip-throughs and stuff, but it's a better way to use Scotty's gravity because as we see with a putback, as we see with some of these plays where he's spinning into space, it's like that spin drop step. And for a hammer, a dunk, he had another really great you know, putback dunk tonight. And using him, this marauding posterizer who can make all the reads you want, who can who can look guys into dropping down and then kicking it out to the corner where the Raptors, they had a really high frequency of corner threes tonight. They also had a really, really high frequency of rim attempts tonight. And so some of that is the Hornets not being good at defense, but some of that is that Scotty isn't being asked to create exclusively as a guy above the break, which he struggles at, especially drawing the second level of the defense, right? And he's not being told to try and space out to the corner. He's not being told to hang out in the dunker spot exclusively. He's involved very intimately with a lot of these actions. And it means that his spacing works differently. And he gets to utilize more of his elite skills in this role. I know some people are hung up on the point guard thing. And Scotty's development is a guy who runs the pick and roll. And other people screen for him. And he's dominant. He's Magic Johnson. Like, forget it. He'll grow into a bunch of different things. 
he has he has emerging skills that can be you know guided in a bunch of different ways. The fact of the matter is, he's good at this now. He and it's not just Charlotte. Like I looked at all of these plays where Scotty's being utilized in this role. I just wrote the piece. You know, uh, you can I'll put it up on screen for people watching on YouTube. Uh, for people listening, go to RaptorsRepublic.com. Um, Scotty Barnes. Um, directing traffic, Scotty Barnes drains the sink. That's what it's called. But I, I go through all these plays, right? And I go through what's been happening since the Raptors put him in this position. And it's just very clear that it's very like hand in glove. Now, Pascal Siakam has been a hand in glove guy for the Raptors before, right? In a bunch of different roles. This is the guy who was a transition player, who was a unique defender, who guarded John Wall as a primary defender in the Raptors playoff series, their most recent one in 2018 against the Wizards. This was a guy who was just like a finisher exclusively. And this was a guy who hit corner threes and never initiated offense, right? That doesn't mean Pascal wasn't allowed to grow into what he is today. And I think it bears repeating or bears understanding for, for fans and for everybody who fights about Scotty Barnes and what he's supposed to be is that what you watch game to game is not his plan. What you watch game to game is a guy struggling, a guy succeeding, all this kind of stuff, but he has to be utilized for the better of the team and his development, a lot of it comes in the offseason, which again, I'm not, I'm not beating that dead horse about work ethic or whatever. I... I'm sure Scotty worked really hard during the summer. I wouldn't say otherwise, but I tell you this much. We don't have to we don't have to be each other's throats about this thing, about Scotty being a point guard, Scotty being what a who cares? He doesn't initiate offense like a point guard does. He's not running those types of actions. Whatever. He's being put in positions where he has advantage. He's being put in positions where he creates, and he's being put in positions where he helps create for others with his big body, with, I guess, Positions that bigs usually succeed in. Who cares? It's going well. You know, what do you have tonight? 21, 7, and 9. By the way, those nine assists come with zero turnovers. It's just like he's clearly being put in a position to succeed. It's very nice to see. I also do enjoy that this is kind of how I wanted to see him used. And not exclusively, right? As I said, there's a bunch of different things Scotty can do, but it's this seems like something that the Raptors have been ignoring. This is something that was part of his start at the NBA is like being a, a dribble handoff hub, right? And the keeper plays and and these rejects that he was able to take for dunks in the early part of his rookie season where he really flashed on like these curved drives. His athleticism is a really big deal. That's all fantastic. And just kind of returning to that this year, but with more responsibilities, like he's he has more agency to run through actions and wave guys out of them if he wants. He has more agency to kind of freestyle on his own, and he has more agency to direct the guy, the traffic, the offense, to the actions that he sees fit. Like he, he's quarterbacking a lot of these plays where otherwise he wouldn't be. He would be hanging off ball, or he'd be trying to create on ball and, and struggling. This is such a great role for him. I know I'm not talking about the team at large here. This is a, a Scotty rant to be sure, but plus 15 on the night, no turnovers, nine assists, seven boards, 21 points, was effective in the pick and roll as a screener, as a roller, was super effective in space, was just a genius and a savant in transition playmaking, right? And then and then every once in a while, you let him play in space against a single guy, and, and he does well. This is just really nice to see. Um, 
you love to see a guy able to to um, find his find his role more clearly with the Raptors, and and his role will change in the future. His role will change depending on how teams play him and, and all this kind of stuff too. And he'll figure it out. He'll problem solve. But the Raptors have something here. And it's very nice. Also very nice. Pascal Siakam scoring 35 points on 13 shots. For those keeping score at home, uh, he actually shot better from the field than he did from the free throw line. He shot 85% from the field. He shot 83.5% from the free throw line. That's pretty absurd. That's pretty crazy, but this this is a guy who's just playing in space, hit threes. The Hornets, the same thing as it was in game one. They don't have a guy. They don't have a guy for Pascal. This is how it was last year too, right? Like Pascal, when Fred got injured post-All-Star break and before the Raptors went on their big run, it was like, okay, Pascal, how is he going to carry the Raptors in these ways? And and some games against the, the Hornets were actually really informative, seminal in showing Raptors fans that, Pascal had ascended to a place where it's really, really tough to cover him with one guy. It's it's always a team concept, right? And his ability to create on mass, like that's where he started going on that run, threatening triple doubles all the time. And while he didn't necessarily threaten a triple double in this game, like how many assists did Pascal have? Three, N- nothing crazy, seven boards, but just being a play finisher in some sense, um, catch and shoot threes, on the move, catching, um, in transition, but also, you know, seeing guys across from him that just can't, that can't handle him. And also this makes sense for Scotty getting the nine assists and zero turnovers and, and Fred Van Vliet, you know, eight assists and one turnover. This is, you know, even, even OG four assists in this game too, right? Gary too. The Raptors did a fantastic job of passing around the, uh, the Hornets defense. And the reason why it was a little bit easier for Pascal is that again, nobody can guard him one-on-one, but the Hornets were really sloppy in their help defense. They they aren't very good. They aren't on time. They they overstep sometimes and then give up the weak side. Then sometimes they don't step up on the strong side. Like it's they they mess up a lot. And this is one of the worst teams in the league. And the Raptors ran rough shot over them. And you know everybody thinks like oh the three pointers went down. It's like no the three pointers didn't go down that much. They they made ten tonight, and they they only took twenty eight. These are, this is below average in the NBA, right? This is not like, sure, 36%, fine. That's better than they usually shoot. But the fact that the Raptors were able to get to the rim, that's that's the big thing in this one. And being able to get to the rim in a game like this too is this really helps with guys like Juancho Hernan Gomez with his cutting. It, it, there's more lanes for him to to cut, to finish. Precious Achua finishing with 10 points in this one. Chris Boucher, you know, with five. These are massive numbers. But again, this is this is a Raptors team that's been looking for more from the bench. Coloco with three as well, I guess. Malachi, three assists, no points in 13 and a half minutes. He's a ball mover out there now. It's very clear to see that the Raptors are prioritizing other aspects of their bench scoring. Malachi isn't really being asked to score. He gets some pick and rolls. He gets downhill a little bit, but he's mostly, you know, trying to carry advantage when he's getting the ball. And whether it's in these staggered lineups or, or bench lineups, that's kind of been his role. It hasn't gone. I'm not of the mind that it's gone super well, but it's fine. But this is kind of what the Raptors have been looking for from their bench, a little bit of punch. 23 points is nothing to write home about, but this is a bench that we saw recently was giving like seven, six. That's that's not a lot, right? And And they deserve, and that's maybe a bit too harsh because they hardly played any minutes, but 
they weren't playing so well that Nick Nurse felt comfortable. And, you know, there's a chicken or the egg thing here about the bench playing well because some guys came back, the bench playing well because they get more minutes and it's a little bit more consistent. But the bench, I think, in these games, it is very important going forward that they play really good defense. And that's the big thing is that the bench, with a lot of length on the floor, they've been able to stop the the Hornets. And the Raptors, they definitely, I think they played fairly good defense in this game. The Hornets, as bad as they are defensively, have a lot of offensive talent. And, you know, this much was seen, like, LaMelo Ball finishing with 32, Terry Rozier with 21. These guys put on a clinic over this two-game stretch, right? There's a lot of points scored. I think, well, they, they combined for over 100 points, the two of them, over two games. That's awesome. The shooting was incredible. Rozier, not the deepest threes in game one, but a guy who's, you know, jab step, escape dribble, hardens type step back into space, spin and hit a three. And then like spin off a closeout, escape dribble to his right, you know, hit a three that's like fading out of bounds. And 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 Lamella Ball in this game hit what, like three or four logo distance threes. If you're if you're a defense, you probably would just say, that's basketball at that point in time, right? Like you, you can't look at your defense and say, "Oh, this is us screwing up. This is this is us allowing something that we shouldn't have." Sometimes a guy is standing below the logo, just there, and hits a three. Sometimes it happens multiple times in a game, and you have to kind of throw your hands up. And that's defense. That's the way it works sometimes. So maybe maybe the Raptors, and also like some of the moves that Lamelo Ball was able to pull off to get downhill, not all the way to the rim, but he's got this host of flip shots and touch shots that managed to drop in right and the Raptors you don't want to throw too much help at that you want to allow the guy to go in one-on-one because Lamelo is a guy who gets by guys with with skill and with you know being uh being tricky on ball busting out combos and stuff like that it's not like not like an incredible first step so yeah he was able to score against this Raptors team and he got to some of those looks for himself but uh I don't think that was uh as big like, I know it's only a difference of six points over the games, 120 versus 114, what the Raptors allowed. But I think the defense was much better in this game. And I hope that, you know, they defend better than they did tonight going forward because this is a team that many people thought and many people wanted to be like a, a top five defense. I, I suspect they're still in the bottom half of the league. I haven't looked at the numbers in, I think, two games. But this is a team that has struggled immensely to win games on that end of the floor. And that's why their record is what it is. The offense has been trending in the right direction for the Raptors. We'll see how that does against better better competition. And maybe that's mostly what this is about, right? They played the way they wanted to play. They got to the rim a lot. They're leaning into this new style with Scotty and his role that features him making more executive decisions on plays and him playing with a little bit more purpose with his physicality and getting downhill because he's getting he's catching the ball in more advantageous spots. And defensively, they get five turnovers from McDaniels. You get three from Rozier. You get five from Lamelo Ball. OG gets four steals. Precious gets five. It's like these guys are causing an absolute ruckus for the for the Hornets. And you want to see the Raptors manage to always cause the chaos, but kind of thrive within it rather than be the be the team on the bad end of it. And and too often they've been the team on the bad end of that chaos. The record is what it is for a reason. Guys were playing 40 minutes every night for a reason. Nick Nurse is looking to create some sense of normalcy. He wants to create a baseline. 
And did he go about it the right way for however long? Who knows? But the guys, at least now, are playing lower minutes. Once again, this nobody's near 40. You know, Pascal, he's, you know, just shy of 38, but I'm sure he feels like that's a walk in the park for him. Guys aren't climbing up that high. There's more bench minutes. Precious gets nearly to 18. He is the crown jewel off the bench. Um, he's the guy who, if he gets into form, if he gets into rhythm, he can really change the the complexion of a lot of these these things. As I've said on many podcasts, is that Precious is the guy who swings this on the roster. It, it wouldn't have been anyone else. It's not Boucher. It's not Coloco. Not Flynn. It, it's not Birch. It's it wouldn't have been Otto Porter Jr. It's Precious who swings this. His defense always impresses. He adds something offensively that nobody else does. And he doesn't do it consistently enough. And it, and it also comes with a ton of warts. There's decision-making that needs to be pinned in. There's there's ball skills that are emerging but not always dominant and sometimes are, are less than ideal, right? But this is a guy who does change the complexion of the Raptors team if he's on form. And, um, and by complexion, I don't mean like a world beater. But I mean, you know, if, if Precious is healthy and gets to play the whole season, the Raptors are what? What is their standings now? They're now 19 and 23. I Like the Raptors it could very easily be in that Indiana Pacers range, in that Miami range of 23 and 19, 23 and 20. Like that, that could very well be in the realm of possibility. And that's not too crazy. They need their guys. They need their guys to be better. And they need to find other things. And they need to do these against good teams. We see them doing it now. We need to see it against the better teams in the NBA because they've just been too poor for too long this season. I, I don't even I don't think you can, can pronounce it as a, a turnaround this game, uh, these last few, this three-game win streak, until it comes, you know, against more meaningful competition. And them's the breaks. You play yourself into this position where you have to prove it to people. Um, 19 and 23 is not the benefit of the doubt. And um, especially since most people were expecting them to improve upon last year, this is something that they have to uh, handle. And I'd imagine front office is um, watching this very closely and wondering where they'll sit before that trade deadline, what that looks like. Um, a three-game win streak, if this continues to grow, will quell a lot of the trade talk all the reports that have been coming out over the past, I don't know, month, three weeks, where the Raptors guys are in every single one. Pascal Siakam is some other team's dream, as is OG Ananobi. And many teams are kind of, you know, wondering like Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., those guys interest me a lot. Can they come play on my team? Can they help us win a chip? You know, are they the last piece? That kind of stuff. If the Raptors flip it all the way around before the trade deadline, I imagine a lot of that will quiet. And, uh, well, I guess it depends. If they really, really flip it around, I'm sure people will wonder aloud, does this team add? Um, currently, people have been wondering aloud, does this team sell? And they're the, you know, they control their destiny in some regards. The team, if it plays really well, if they do it against meaningful opponents, all that kind of stuff, who knows? Interesting. Very, very interesting for this team, but a good win against the Hornets. It just is harder to call it like a really good win considering they uh, 
They haven't done it against more meaningful opponents besides the Cavs, basically. But they have three wins against, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Reggie Evans Award. I want to give it to Precious Achua. Five steals is no small thing. I don't think he was responsible for all five. Like sometimes, sometimes the ball falls in your hands and you get a steal. You know, a lot of OG Ananobi's steals, they're just his because he's like he catches the ball, he created the turnover, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes like you can tag and a guy will be caught in the air expecting to throw a pass. And it's like this guy rotated over, so now the pass is being thrown and you know, maybe a guy like Precious Achua is just in the right spot. It falls into his hands. He picks it up. He's down the floor. Well done for you, Precious, to like pick it up. There's also, you know, plays defensively in this game, as is often the case with Precious, where he was uh, sterling as well. So just well done, Precious, for the hustle. From Spanish Superfly, the top quick reaction comment is, quote, Honestly, though, when we as Raps fans are belly aching and complaining when things aren't going our way, just remember that there are Charlotte Hornet fans out there. I can't imagine what it would be like to be one, honestly. Oh, boy. End quote. Yeah, man. Um, you have a this really intriguing wing player, Miles Bridges, who is a domestic abuser, right? You have, you have a team that you expect to improve. You have a team that you think is going to be intriguing and unique. And um, not only do they have guys who aren't performing, uh, as well as one team would want, you know, book night also. And, and they have a bunch of stuff like guys they develop, guys who leave, Malik Monk, for example. They they have guys who seem to have stagnated and because they haven't been rewarded in roles or they haven't been given, you know, a unique path to develop. And like P.J. Washington, Kelly Oubre Jr. gets injured and it's just LaMelo Ball trying to do, you know, really slick things on the court all the time. And all the momentum that the Hornets had last season. It fizzled by the end of that year, and it certainly didn't come, like, come along this season. And, um, yeah. on the, But on the Miles Bridges thing, damn. Very, all the best to the woman he abused and to all women who are abused. But, man, it's, and I don't even know what's going to happen with him. You know, like, I, there was a, those pictures of or video of like Lamelo dapping him up. He's around the team. There was also a video of LeBron James dapping him up. I don't know what's happening with that, but anyway, um, feel better, everyone. After I <laughs> gave that dark turn, sorry to everybody for the dark turn, but thanks for tuning in. Uh, for anybody who listened, uh, I appreciate you. If you're on YouTube, uh, make sure to like the podcast, subscribe the the website. Subscribe over there. That's the most important one. If you're listening on the podcast channel, uh, thanks for letting me chop it up with you. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.